In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the Sacrament. Amen. Classic movies usually have a memorable goodbye scene. Think of Casablanca or Forrest Gump. In our first reading this weekend, the final chapter of Deuteronomy, is Moses' goodbye scene to the people of Israel. He's telling the people that the commandments God has laid out for them are not too mysterious or remote. They don't have to go up into the sky or across the sea for these commandments and statutes that God has given. And in fact, the mention of crossing the sea might actually be a subtle jab at a very famous piece of Mesopotamian literature called the Gilgamesh Epic. It was a well-known story told among the inhabitants of ancient Mesopotamia in which the main character, Gilgamesh, has a friend who dies. Gilgamesh sets out on a quest for life everlasting, and although it ends up as a fruitless search, at one point he has to cross the ocean to try to find someone who may have the answer to life. In all of this, it could be that the mention of not having to cross the sea is made specifically to show how the answer to life isn't like the story of Gilgamesh. No, it is something very near to you, already in your mouths and in your hearts. Although we have been hearing from St. Paul's letter to the Galatians over the last few weeks, our second reading now pivots to St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, so it'd be helpful to understand the occasion for this letter. St. Paul actually never visited Colossae, as far as we know, so he didn't institute the Christian community there. Rather, a man named Epaphras did, and he seemed to have gotten in contact with Paul about some erroneous teaching that had cropped up. Mainly, some Christians there were getting swept up in the worship of angelic beings and astral powers in contradiction to the worship of Jesus. It's hard for us to pinpoint exactly what was going down in Colossae because we don't have Epaphras' original letter to St. Paul, but suffice it to say that some Christians there were really wondering if Jesus was the supreme, supernatural being of the universe. St. Paul then wants to show how Jesus is supreme and he'll do that in these six verses of the first chapter. Jesus Christ is, above all, was involved in the creation of all, existed before all, is victor over all, and is reconciler of all. In fact, if you listen closely at Mass, you'll notice that the word all appears eight different times in this translation. Interestingly enough, Paul describes Jesus as the image of the invisible God. The Greek word for image here is icon, from which we get our word today of icon. And it's the same word that's used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 5. Take a listen. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his likeness, according to his image, icon, and named him Seth. Here, Paul is picking up on a similar idea, the son being the image, the icon, of his father. After all, Jesus himself said, whoever has seen me has seen the father. Our gospel passage involves a character familiar in pop culture references, the Good Samaritan. But funny enough, the adjective good is never once used in this story, not only not to describe the Samaritan, but actually not used to describe anything at all. The story arises when a scholar of the law questions Jesus about just who is his neighbor. This scholar wanted to know who wasn't his neighbor, so he could definitively know the boundaries of his charity. In response to the question, Jesus tells a story about the route from Jerusalem to Jericho. It stretched about 17 miles and was notoriously dangerous since the terrain made it easy for bandits to hide, sort of like a back alleyway in a crowded city. In the story, Jesus says that a certain man is jumped by these robbers and left half dead. 
A priest, and then a Levite, pass by the man without taking any action. And the most commonly held explanation for this is that they didn't want to touch a possibly dead body and become defiled. After all, Leviticus chapter 21 says that no priest shall make himself unclean for any dead person except close family members. Yet other scholars refute this idea since the priest and Levite were likely leaving their service at the temple rather than walking up towards the temple to begin their service. Although the text doesn't give us a specific explanation, it could be more likely that the priest and Levite ignore the man's presence because he could have been set as a trap by thieves. Yet along comes a Samaritan, and he is the one who decides to help this man. Based upon the items he possesses, the Samaritan is probably a traitor. He has oil, wine, funds, and even an animal to carry a load. Yet many traders were wealthy because they swindled others. And if this individual was a traitor, that, together with the fact of his being a Samaritan, would have made him especially unfavorable to an Israelite. Yet Jesus holds him up as the one who has compassion for his neighbor, and in so doing, he tells the scholar of the law to go and do likewise. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time in Year C. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.